direction I was thinking of going this whole week, and uh, I started to see something this morning, and um, we're just going to follow the Holy Spirit, amen? It's better than any notebook, it's better than any outline, it's better than any essay I could have in front of me. We're just going to follow the whole the Holy Spirit. We have been talking this month about vision and purpose, destiny, assignment. We've been talking a little bit about the, the vision of this church and why this church is here, why this church unites together every week and what we're doing for our community, for our city, and in the lives of those that are coming in this place to get filled up to go back out and give something away. Amen. I, I love that the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't just fill us to get something, but he sends us to do something. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit does not just fill us to get something, but he sends us to do something. Because of receiving the Holy Spirit over in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, Jesus said that because the power comes on you, then you would be my witnesses. That means you're going to go tell people about everything you've seen. you got to be a witness. you got to see something doesn't do you much good to call a witness to the stand that wasn't there and, and just, you know, has an idea of something. You've got to have seen it. You've got to have laid your eyes on it. And I, and I want to see a generation, I want to see a church, even in these last days, be raised up that sees the power of God, not just hears about it. I mean, I, I, I grew up and I got to see some things, but I don't, I don't want that to end with me. I don't want that to be stuck with me. I want my son, who's six and a half years old, I want him to see some stuff. I want him to experience some stuff. I want it to be real to him and not just stories of old. I mean, we specifically instruct uh, our, our children's uh, team members next door that we are not telling Bible stories because you grow up with Bible stories and what we're finding is, is they get out of the house and they go off to college and all they have is a story, not an experience. And somebody else's story will always trump your story. But we've got to find not just a story that people can connect with. We've got to find the relevance and how can it be applied to my life. And they need to know David and Goliath was the real deal. Moses and the Red Sea was the real deal. Elijah calling down fire from heaven was the real deal. This isn't fake stuff. This isn't fake news. This isn't, uh, you know, just made up stuff to try to inspire you to do something. And in a time and age... Uh, where truth is on trial, we've got to bring more than just stories. We've got to bring reality. We've got to make it real. And um, I said I wasn't going to try to yell too much because my, my voice is kind of uh, on edge today. So I'm going to try to do the best that I can to stay calm and, uh, <laughs> and communicate what I need to communicate. Amen. So we've been talking about the purpose and the vision of our church. The first week we saw that the temple and the tabernacle, both represented in the Old Testament, had to be assembled. They had to be put together. And there were specific instructions. Just kind of giving some review here. Just They had to be put together, specific instructions, assembled and, and set in place. And you couldn't just open the box and just put it together however you felt like. You had to follow the instructions. You had to use the materials that God specifically designed. And again, we saw that he asked for the best stuff. He didn't ask for uh, leftovers. He didn't ask stuff that was used from something else. And let's put it here and let's see if we can make it work. God knew what he was trying to assemble in the wilderness, out in the middle of, of campground. He said, build me a tabernacle. Remember, we are not building the church for people. We build the church for God and people get to come. 
I believe when we have that proper perspective, we'll be effective for the kingdom of God. Your perspective can enhance or destroy your effectiveness if I see it incorrectly. And if we continue to build a church around people and for people, then we are missing the point. No, we build this church for God. We create a meeting place where he now can come. And it said that the glory filled the tabernacle. And then we get over to Second Chronicles with the same type of, of format, template, if you will. Uh, we have to build according to the dimensions, to the instructions, using the specific materials that God designed and ordained. And then Solomon built that temple, had to be assembled together, and the glory of God filled the temple. You can even see over in Acts chapter 2, when they came into one mind and one accord, what happened? The glory of God fell. The Spirit fell. The Spirit fell in that place. Tongues as of fire, a rushing mighty wind, or the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, filled the place, and then they were all filled with the Spirit of God. Maybe we're lacking the glory and the Spirit of God because we're not building according to the instructions. Because Hebrews chapter ten twenty five then tells me that, We are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the last days. This wasn't just an Old Testament thing. This wasn't just a wilderness thing. This doesn't this wasn't just a a temple thing with King Solomon in the midst of we are still to be assembled today. Assembly is required. Last week we took a look at our purpose. Jesus. We saw the model of Jesus' life that he didn't do anything for people. He didn't do anything. He wasn't motivated by popularity. He wasn't motivated by power. He was only motivated by purpose, God's purpose for his life. We saw that he spent countless hours with the Father. It's just so interesting to me that, you know, we, we get it so backwards. Jesus spent hours, even all night, the Bible says, up on a mountaintop praying to his Father. Praying to his Father. And I can promise you his prayers sounded different than our prayers do today. He was praying to discover the will of his father. And when he came down off of that mountain, and when he got back with the people, or got back with his disciples, the power was available. And he operated in his purpose. He didn't pray for people. He had already done the praying. Now he starts speaking to stuff. Now he starts enacting the authority and enacting the power that he had been given by his father because he was the king returned. Amen. He was the king returned. He came in dominion. He came in authority and he came in power. And so he speaks to demons and they go. He's not laying hands on them and praying for them. And, and, but see, what we do is we spend a lot of time with people's problems and a little bit of time in prayer. And Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer with the Father, and spent a little bit of time with people's problems. It's amazing what happens when we start getting interested in what the Father's purpose is for us rather than what's my purpose for myself. We understand that that vision is driven by purpose. If you want to see the vision of God come to pass in your life, you have to do it for the right reasons. And Jesus had this concept. He said, I want to do what my Father wants me to do. For the same reason my father wants me to do it. And we can't miss that, that second piece. I want to do what the father wants me to do. But I also want to do it. 
for the same reason. You, you, you understand that purpose does not discriminate. Purpose doesn't discriminate. I can lock arms with anybody when they say, I want what you want for the same reason you want it. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care the age. I don't care what generation. I don't care what background. I don't care what financial status. I don't care if you use an iPad or a notepad. Purpose does not discriminate. You see, sometimes we're asking the wrong questions, but when we learn to ask, do you want what I want for the same reason I want it, then we can lock arms and we can go together and we can accomplish the purpose that God has for us. Look at the people that Jesus called to himself. You, you, I can tell you right now, you wouldn't have wanted them. <laughs> we would have said, great, this is all I got. This is what you're giving me to work with. I got a couple brothers over here that just fight all the time and just trying to see who's going to be greater than. I got another guy that has, has uh, bits of fits of rage and starts cutting people's ears off and jumping out of boats and all kinds of crazy. I got all these. And then at the end of the day, they all left. They all scattered. When Jesus needed them the most, hey, thank you for being there uh, when, the, when I was feeding 5,000. And thank you for being there uh, when, when, when I came off the Mount of Transfiguration. But where are you at when I need you? But yet these are the people that turn the world upside down. Why? Because Jesus never came off of his purpose. Even when we saw Peter approach, and the Bible says, rebuked Jesus to his face said, this will not happen. This shall not happen. Jesus was given the direction of what was about to happen in his life. And Peter says, nuh-uh, I don't like that idea. And Jesus said, then get behind me, Satan, because you're an offense to me. Because you are not mindful of the what? Things of God. If you spent time with the Father like I spent. See, if, we don't, if we're not all spending time with the Father, we're not going to end up at the same place. And Jesus always promoted, made a priority of his time with the Father. Time with the Father. And that directed his purpose. And that eliminated distraction. If you want to eliminate distraction in your life from what God has called you to do, from the vision that he's put, placed in front of you. I can tell you right now, I, I, I've, I've done it on multiple occasions. God gives me a vision, and then you get distracted. You say, oh, that, that looks nice. Before you know it, you're, you're, off, you're off the path, and you've got to get by. If you want to keep free from distraction, get with the Father. You cannot promote the interests of those that you have no relationship with. You cannot promote the interests of those that you do not have a relationship with. And Jesus said, if you want to promote the interests of the Father, you have to get with him. You have to spend time with him. We've got, to be a, we've got to be a church that promotes the interests of the Father. I don't know about you, but I want to be interested in what God is interested in. If he's not interested in it, I'm not interested in it. And too many times we get distracted and we become interested in things that the Father has no interest in. And it compromises the things that he is interested in. I want to promote the Father's interest. Look, look at Luke chapter 4. If I had to title this message, I would title it, We're Just Getting Started. We're Just Getting Started. Luke chapter 4, and starting with verse 16. 
It says, so he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read, as was his custom. So we see that this was a routine in one sense. It was something that they did on a regular basis. This was something that, you know, this wasn't new to them. This was expected that Jesus would come up. But I wonder, I wonder if we could do something in routine but still have a brand new expectation every time. I wonder what God could do with that. I wonder what God could do on a Sunday morning if we came in here knowing that this is what we do every weekend, but I'm not expecting the same thing I got last weekend. I wonder what would happen if we had a people that came to church and said, I am expecting, I don't even know what to expect, but I know that God's going to move. And I know that he's going to show up. And I know that he's going to break some some chains. And I know that he's going to set some people free today. I wonder what that would happen. I know this. I know this. I I can look across this room. I can look across this crowd. There are some faces in here I don't know. And we're just honored to have you today. I don't know what you came here with. But I will never allow myself to come in not drawing and not pulling. If not for myself, maybe for the person next to me. Because just because you may have not walked through these doors desperate and needing something this weekend, somebody did. Somebody's in this house this morning and you came in desperate. You came in saying, if I don't get a word from God, I'm through. If I don't get what I need this morning, this is it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired. I don't, I don't know what you're on the verge of. But they were doing something that was customary. But we're about to find out that there was nothing customary about the words about to come from Jesus' mouth. Jesus knows how to bring expectation even to the routine. In verse 17, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know, that first statement right there. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. If Jesus needed the spirit, who are we to think that we don't? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We need the spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue to on Wednesday nights. If you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you need to get here. You need to be here. We are introducing you to the person of the Holy Spirit and what you can properly. You know, you can't set proper expectations. Or if you do not set proper expectations, you will be disappointed with the result. Disappointment is the result of unmet expectations. Many of us may have been disappointed with what we have discovered, learned, or seen about the Holy Spirit. But it's not until we can attain proper expectations of who he is and how he operates and what he can do in our lives that we will see him move to the greatest degree. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That word anointed means furnished with. Furnished with or resourced. The anointing is a resource to fulfill your assignment and your God-given purpose. We talk about vision and we talk about purpose, but I'm telling you right now, you need the anointing 
and you need the Spirit of God. These are two things that Jesus could not and would not operate in ministry without. The Spirit of the Lord, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That wasn't customary. They had heard people read out of Isaiah before. That's not a problem. They had heard this scripture before. Not a problem. But they never had someone stand behind the pulpit and then make the claim, I am the one that this was just written about. And we'll go on to read that this created quite an uproar among the people. That their, their marvel quickly became skepticism. Their marvel quickly turned into, who do you think you are? Or, Is this not Joseph's son? And then Jesus even goes on and says, uh, Jesus even goes on and says, uh, there is a, a, a prophet is welcomed everywhere except for in his own hometown. What's he saying? You've become familiar. You've become routine. I'm familiar to you. I'm just Jesus, the son of John and Mary, the the carpenter. You know my brothers. You know my sisters. There was another instance over in Mark chapter 6 where he came back to Nazareth. Been doing miracles, signs, wonders all over the area, Galilee, Capernaum, just all over the place, and he comes back home. And they say, who, who, who do you think you are talking to us like this? You're just, we, we know your sister. We know your brothers. We know your mom and dad. Isn't this, the, isn't this the carpenter kid? Didn't he make me a bed one time? Didn't he build, didn't he build me a, a dining table? That's what they're thinking. And it says that Jesus could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Guys, if we don't think that familiar, a familiarity destroys us, then we have, no, we, 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 we have to be careful not to become routine with what we do. It was customary for Jesus to get up, no problem. But can we expect Jesus to do something out of the ordinary? And be okay with that. Can we come in here expecting and anticipating God to move, not just in us, and not just in this place, but through us? Can we see God do something maybe that we've never seen before? I mean, I've, I've, I've heard and listened all week long to, to pastors and ministers crying out for a revival, crying out for a spiritual awakening in our nation. But I can tell you right now, the problem that we have with the gospel in the United States of America is familiarity. I just heard a minister just a few days ago had pictures. He showed us pictures of millions of people coming to the Lord, Muslims over in the Middle East. 
I mean, he had this one picture. It was from the stage. Imagine me being on the stage and I'm standing like this and someone's taking a photo and it was people as far as the eye could see. He said, you're not going to hear about it on CNN. You're not going to hear it through Fox News. They're not going to talk about that. He said that these individuals come running down, running to the altar. There's no altar call. There's no uh, you know, background music serenading the crowd and lulling them to come down and, and making them emotional and feel something. No, they are recognizing, I have nothing without Jesus. The God that I'm serving is dead, can't do anything for me. This is the real living God. They're having signs and wonders performed in front of their eyes, just as Jesus said it will confirm the word. And they're running down. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Because it's one thing to stand up from among a a, a group of people that know you and and the embarrassment of running down and giving your life to Jesus. That's one thing. But when they get back home and their family members find out that they gave their life to Jesus, they will give them an opportunity to renounce their salvation. And if they don't, they die. He said at the very least, they will beat you up. Until you renounce it. And if you don't, then they'll just, they'll just kill you. Family members. Running to the altar. Needing Jesus. Needing to be set free. Previously Muslim. And then he said, then we come to the United States. And I'll do a service. And I'll do an altar call. And I'll compel and compel and compel, and nobody responds. I remember Miles Monroe saying that the reason why the United States will not be the nation that ushers the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God, is because we, it's, it's everywhere. We can just flip on the radio and find it. You can download a podcast. You can, you can, get the, I mean, you can carry the Bible literally anywhere you want. Uh, we, we, can carry, we can physically carry Bibles. There are people in China that they, they can't. They're smuggling them in over there, and we've got shelves of them. This isn't for condemnation. This is to create. We want a revival. We want a spiritual awakening. I'm telling you right now, we have the greatest resource on the face of the planet. I believe that the United States of America ought to be the distribution center for the kingdom of God. We ought to be the nation that it goes forth from. But there are other nations that value what they have because they have so little. It's amazing. Lack causes you to tighten up. Lack causes you to live with focus. I mean, when the money's flowing, I mean, you, you don't really give that much thought to buying that extra little thing or, or doing that. But when there's tightness shows up, when lack shows up, you become a little more focused. Right? Because, no, nah, we can't get that. There might have been a day we would have, we would have done that, but no, we, we, it's got to go towards. And so we, as a nation, need to lose the familiarity. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting ready to go to Africa, Chase and I, about a month. About a month. And I, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if blind eyes opened up. Deaf ears opened up, legs growing out, demons being cast out. I mean, it's all in the Bible. Read your Bible. It's all. I mean, do we want a church that looks like the book of Acts? 
But it was the familiarity that destroyed this message that Jesus just spoke. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus, I want to submit this to you today. That Jesus never left the earth. Yeah, I know Jesus, the son of God, rose and was then ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the father. But I'm here to tell you today that this did not this did not die with Jesus. He made sure of that. He made sure. That the spirit can come upon multiple and that the anointing can come upon multiple people and that they will go and continue the work. Look at look at. uh, Look at Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. I'm telling you, Jesus was just getting started. If we understood, if we fully understood the move of God, if we under, if we fully understood what the local church is empowered and equipped to do, if we fully could grasp what he's sending us to do. I'm not talking about how we do that. I'm talking about what he said he was called to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have been anointed to set at liberty the captives. Anybody here know someone that's bound? Anybody? Bound by an addiction, bound by a drug, bound by a a relationship, bound by a mental state. Does anybody here know? We are here to set at liberty the captives, to set free those that are pressed. That is why we're here. We saw last week our purpose at this church. We are here. We exist to see people anchored to Christ to live life by faith. I'm telling you right now, it's not just unbelievers that qualify for that statement. The Bible does not say that salvation sets you free. It doesn't say that. It says the truth sets you free. And I know a lot of believers that don't know the truth of the word of God but whom the son sets free he's free indeed that's the kind of liberty Luke chapter 9 verse 1 then he called his 12 disciples he called them together I like that word together called them together he didn't send them out and say, look, how, you know, whatever you feel like doing, you know, this, this ministry uh, that you've been watching. me." No, he called them out together and gave them power. You can't give what you don't have. And gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the what? To preach the kingdom of God. To preach the kingdom of God. Of God and to heal the sick. Jesus is saying, I'm I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. It's not going to be done just through me. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the Son of God speaking. And he says, I'm delegating this power. I'm sending you out. Now look at this over in Acts chapter 1. Now Jesus has completed... His assignment, it was not his purpose. The cross was not Jesus' purpose. The cross was not Jesus' purpose. That was his assignment. His purpose 
was to declare and demonstrate the kingdom God, the kingdom of God as the king and to return authority back to man. That was the purpose of Jesus. I don't have time to get into that today. I, I feel maybe next week, here in a coming week, I'll be able to outline the kingdom of God once again because most of us are confused. This is the most confused book on the planet, and Jesus is the most confused man on the planet, period. And, well, I, I like to get rid of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. So if we can bring clarity to the confusion, then we need to do that. Because this book, you were not created to, to worship him. You were not created for relationship. Those are not the reasons why you were created. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 tells me that man was created, Adam was created to rule and reign on the earth. You and I were placed here to uh, enact the authority of the kingdom of God in this planet. Period. That's why we're here. But I don't have time to get into that today. But Acts chapter 1 says the former account. We just read out of Luke. This is Luke's other book. This is a continuation of what he wrote in the book of Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus, which is the book of Luke, of all that Jesus, what's this word? Began. 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 I like that. I like that. Because if Jesus was just getting started, that means he hasn't finished yet. That means that Jesus is still working, and Jesus is still doing something, and Jesus is still operating in the earth today. But guess what? He's not here in the earth doing it physically anymore. He's doing it through his body, the church, you and I. I want to submit to you today that Jesus is still working. Jesus is still performing miracles. Jesus is still healing people. Jesus is still abolishing slavery. Jesus is still setting free the oppressed. Jesus is still uh, causing the lame to walk, causing the blind to see, causing the deaf to hear. Jesus is still in operation through you and I. It says, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. And watch this, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was obsessed with the kingdom. He was obsessed with the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. He told multiple parables that started with something like, and the kingdom of God can be likened to, or the kingdom of God is like this, or the kingdom of God is like that. He was obsessed with the kingdom. And he was obsessed with getting you back in the kingdom of God, back in your position of authority, back in your position of ruling and reign. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to do it. And that's what we need. That's what we need today. We need a church that recognizes that they truly are. I mean, look over in Ephesians. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. That we truly are the body 
of Christ. This ought to be encouraging to you today. This ought to be something that's edifying you and saying, man, I am the church. I am the hands of Jesus. I am the feet of Jesus. I am the voice of Jesus. If there's anybody that you look at in your life and says they need Jesus, ultimately what you're saying is they need me. They need me. Why? Because the uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the what? Church. Verse 23, which is his body. That's you and I. Folks, this, that's you and I. Guys, that's you and I. We are the church of the living God. We are Jesus in the earth. Jesus, the head, is seated at the right hand of the Father. But the head has to have a body that he works and operates through. He has to have a body. You have to have a body. And a body that is not connected to a head is called decapitation. A decapitated head is ineffective and useless. I would even go as far to say that a body that operates outside of the alignment and the will of the head is useless and ineffective. I mean, you know as well as I do, if your body starts operating outside of its given intention, outside of what the head wants it to do, it's called a dysfunction. I don't know about you. I go to the doctor for that kind of stuff. I get that stuff checked out. This ain't this 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 pain that I'm feeling. This isn't normal, or or, or this this organ isn't working properly, or uh, you know whatever it is. If it's dysfunctional, you take it somewhere to correct it. We can't allow dysfunction in the body of Christ. It keeps us from achieving our God-given purpose of being the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh, the pow- the the will comes from the head. The body doesn't make it up, but the body is needed to carry out the will of God. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verse 12. John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking to his disciples again. I mean, you got to see this now. You got to see this. I'm going to tell you right now, Anchor Faith Church is not interested in getting people to heaven. Anchor Faith Church is not interested in getting people to heaven. We are interested in getting the kingdom of God in people so that we can get heaven in the earth. That's what Jesus was interested in. He said, don't pray uh, that one day when you die, you'll go to heaven. He said, no, you pray that my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm thankful that when this body decays and this body erodes away and goes back into the ground and becomes dust just as where it came from, that my spirit will be restored back to a heavenly place with Christ Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, I am not sitting here waiting in the terminal for the rapture to come suck me out of here while I complain about all the stuff that's going on around me. I will recognize that I have the same power and I have the same authority that Jesus did. I am the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus, and I will use that until the day that I die. Period. Uh, you, you did not get saved to sit. 
did not die for you so you could live for yourself. But he died for you so that you could live for him. In John chapter 14, verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. Do I have any believers in the room today? Any? I got three. Okay. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works, the works, the works, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I, the head, goes to the Father. But the body is in the earth to do the works. And even greater works. Greater works. Greater works than what Jesus did. Greater works than what Jesus did in the earth when he was here. Greater than what he saw happen through his ministry. Greater than the influence he had. Could you imagine what this earth would look like if we had millions of Christians, millions of believers that came into the kingdom with that idea instead of getting saved to go to heaven? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would look like? To have a body of believers that believes, if I believe in him, the works that he did, I can do also. This isn't five-fold ministry stuff. This, well, that's for pastors. He said, if you believe, that's the qualifier. If you believe, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe, I want to be a believer, but I want to be a believer that is a doer. I want to be a believer that does something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chris, where's the verse that says, as he is, so are we? Is that first, John? Second John, third John, there's three John. Come on, somebody help me out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Four seventeen. First John four seventeen. First John four seventeen. Hmm. Love has been perfected among us. Does our world need love? Does our world need love? I'm not talking love like what the world thinks is love. Love from the Father. Love from the Father. I, I don't know how many pastors and ministers that I follow and that. I see in the last couple of weeks that have been posting what they believe and what their position is on white supremacist groups and racism. And, and, and it goes without saying 
How could we identify that with Christian behavior and lifestyle? How could we identify that kind of behavior and that kind of attitude that we all came from dust and we will all return back to dust and underneath this skin we all bleed the same color? How could we identify that type of ideology with anything found in this scripture? How deceived must we be that pastors have to boldly stand up and declare their position in the position of their church. You are not born again of the nature of the living God. And you are not of his kingdom if that is your attitude and your position towards others. Period. You need to get saved. You need to repent. You need to have your mind renewed so that your lifestyle can change. You are not in the kingdom of God, and you will not enjoy the benefits of heaven, and you will not enjoy the benefits of heaven on earth. I can't make that any more clearer. I'm not going to type it out somewhere. I'm not going to post it on Facebook, because I'll tell you what. I don't have any business communicating stuff to people that are irrelevant to me. God has called me and assigned me to this church. And I don't have to prove my position to anybody that has no connection to what we're doing here outside of you read my Facebook or Instagram post every now and then. When I randomly post those anyways. So that's the position of Anchor Faith Church. That's the position of Mark Brady. And that's the position of God, the Father, and the Son, who for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. But he says, look, he says here, love has been perfected among us. In this, that we, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And here it is. Because as he is, so are we in this world. It doesn't say when we get to heaven. It's in this world. Worship team, if you would come. Just as he is. Everyone just close your eyes just for a moment. Just think on those thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 tells us to think. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's good. Think about that. As he is. As he is. Submit to you that Jesus is still in the earth. Jesus is still operating in the earth. Jesus is still working miracles. Jesus is still saving lives. God, forgive me for not taking this purpose seriously. Forgive me. not yielding to your spirit, for not operating in boldness when you told me to speak to that individual. You told me to share the love of God. You told me to pray for that person. Forgive me for not promoting the interest of the Father. But I want to be just as you are. I want to be everything that you are. 
to be everything that you are. I want to see your life flow through my life, impact other lives. Just something that I heard, several, I don't know, several years ago. Uh, this guy came to me and he was really upset. I was like, "What's wrong?" He said, "I, I just had this vision. I was down by a spring. It was like a, like the itch tugging. I don't know if you've ever been down there, like a small river. And I was laying up on the bank. And I looked down, and the child was drowning in the, in the spring. He said it was so real." And I went to get up to save the child. He was by himself. He'd wandered away from his parents. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And I saw this child going down. He said that he was drowning. He was crying for help. No one was there. I was the only one there. And I couldn't move. I couldn't move. And I was crying out. And finally, the child drowned. And he said, I came to, I came to myself. And I said, God, what, you, what, what was that? What were you trying to what? I don't understand. I, I want to help the child. He said, now you know how I feel. Your head wanted to save the child, but my body was paralyzed. He said, that's me. You know how many times I wanted to move, but my body was paralyzed. And that's exactly what he said. We, we're the body of Christ. People say, I'm waiting on God to move. God, why don't you touch those people? We're the hands and feet. Of, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. I don't want to be a paralyzed church. I want to be a mobilized church. Mobilized. In October of this year, we are mobilizing this church. Last year, we held our first Outlove outreach event. We got out. Get out. You have to come in come in so we can go out. I'm I'm interested in tying the two together. I'm tired of there being outreach churches and I'm tired of there being in-reach churches or teaching churches or spirit churches. When when is the day going to come where what we get in here sends us out there? And why do we have to have two separate groups? I'll tell you right now, at Anchor Faith Church, outreach is not a ministry. It's a lifestyle. It is who we are. It is our DNA. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am. we are about to pave the path so clear. We are about to wear out the path of outreach and generosity so clear that others behind us will be able to see it. Have you ever gone uh, to where someone says, oh, yeah, the path is right here. It's right, But if you can't really tell where it's worn and where it's not. No, we're going to wear it out so bad that people are going to come up and say, oh, there it is. There's the path of outreach. There's the path of generosity. It is our DNA. It is who we are. We cannot be the church that just stays in the four walls. We've got to get out. We've got to get out. We have to proclaim that there's a God that wants to see them set free. We have to proclaim that there's a God that loves them and cares for them. We have to proclaim that forgiveness is waiting for you. We have to 
proclaim that the power of God is there and available to make the sick whole again. We have to proclaim In Acts chapter 1, real quick, you don't have to turn there. I can read it to you. Acts chapter 1, you just follow it. I don't want a paralyzed church. We need a mobilized church. Verse 4, after what we just read, says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 said that Jesus got up and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm telling you today that the Spirit of the Lord is upon the church once again. It's been made available for each and every purpose, a person in this room. It's not just for some people and just for others. You need the Holy Spirit in your life and upon your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything I'm telling you today cannot be done on your own power. It cannot. The boldness and the authority cannot be done on your own. You can't be bold enough. I don't care how extroverted you are. I don't care uh, how bold you are in your communication. You need boldness from the Holy Spirit. And the miracles and the signs and the wonders that follow the teaching of the word will not occur in the lives of those that are not filled with the Holy Spirit upon them. If you can show me one person in the Bible that did a sign, a wonder, or a miracle in their life, supernatural, without the Holy Spirit upon their life, but you cannot do it. Jesus did not begin his ministry until he received the Holy Spirit. He came up out of that water and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And the days of disagreement about the operation and the working of the Holy Spirit is over. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit. We're not going to see blind eyes open without it. We're not going to see deaf ears open without it. We're not going to see spiritually blind eyes open without it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in operation in the church again. You talk about a revival. You talk about a spiritual awakening. What does that look like? Is that just a bunch of people reading their Bibles all day? Is that just a bunch of people going to church every night? I mean, what does that mean? I think the book of Acts gives us a very clear picture. But the book of Acts doesn't even happen without Acts chapter 2. It doesn't. They'll still be up in that upper room praying. They'll still be up there. We need these times when we come together and we receive the glory of God. and And we meet with God. And we get people to God. But I'm not interested in a church that stays inside the four walls and keeps it all to themselves. If if Acts chapter 2 can happen, then Acts chapter 3 can happen. And Peter and John were walking to the temple the next day, about the sixth hour, and they saw a lame man there, paralyzed from birth. 
and they came up and they said, silver and gold, we have none. We don't have what you're looking for. We've got something even better. Get up and walk. And he got up, jumping and leaping and praising God. And then he went into the temple with them. Are we believing for a day where we bring sick people to church and get them healed? Or are we believing for a day where the sick get healed and you bring them to church? Which way do you want it? And if you want Acts chapter 2, and if you want Acts chapter 3, then you have to have Acts chapter 4. The persecution and the judgment and your life is on the line. It all comes together. And if you want Acts chapter 2, and you want Acts chapter 3, and you want Acts chapter 4, you got to have Acts chapter 6. Where the brethren got together and they said, we can't feed all these widows by ourselves. We need some more men, some faithful stewards of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit. Not just anybody. We're not just looking for a so-and-so. People that are full of the Holy Spirit. Good reputation. That's the book of Acts. And I believe it's still continuing today. The Acts of the church are still being written today. The question is, will you be involved? Will you be a part? I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. I don't want to be a consumer. I want to be a contributor. How about you? Father, we thank you today. We thank you. Everyone stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. Father, we thank you today. That you have called us to set at liberty, freedom to the captives. Strongholds are broken. Addictions are broken. Marriages are restored. Families are made whole. Bodies that were once sick are now healthy and whole once again. So we can declare your purpose. Declare the kingdom of God is here. Declare the kingdom of God is here. Change your mind. Change your thinking. Because the kingdom of God is here. The love of God is here. The power of God is here. The presence of God is here. And not just in here. But it's everywhere we go. It's everywhere we go. We give you glory and praise. Because you are moving. You're moving. Sing this with us. I call upon the Lord. Call.